Morning Australia and New Zealand, and welcome to Behind the Lights with me, Seb. And me, Jono. As always, we pay respect to traditional custodians of the land we are coming from, the Gadigal people of the Aurora Nation. On today's episode, we're joined by special guest, former Sydney FC and Australian representative, as well as uh, Sydney FC Hall of Fame inductee, Teresa Polias. Uh, we do apologise, there were a few issues, uh, sound issues, so if there is any uh, sound quality issues, we do apologise for that. Please listen and enjoy. Well, on the eve of uh, the largest Women's World Cup, uh, obviously being hosted here in Australia and in New Zealand, uh, we're excited to be joined by a former Australian representative and Sydney FC captain, and also uh, the first female to be inducted into the Sydney FC Hall of Fame, Teresa Polias. Welcome to our World Cup preview show. Thanks, guys. Uh, thanks for having me, and yeah, very exciting pod to be on. Not a problem. First of all, before we get into the World Cup, obviously, congratulations on the Hall of Fame induction. Induction, um, Obviously, a big proud moment for you, obviously, being the first female as well into the Sydney FC Hall of Fame. Obviously, would have meant a lot for you um, after, obviously, representing that club with such distinction. Yeah, thanks. Look, it was um, yeah, huge, huge honour, huge surprise in the night. I didn't know about it. Um, you know, I get invited every year to... to the Sky Blue Ball, and this year I wanted to go and just enjoy the girls' celebration for such a great season, and I didn't even think about, you know, anything like that at all. So it was a huge surprise, and I was, you know, very emotional and, and just proud, and, um, yeah, it's, it was a, a huge, it is a huge honour to, to be um, inducted into that Ball of Fame along with some amazing, well, they're all amazing people um, who have been part of the football world. So, um, yeah, very, very, very honoured. Thanks. Yeah, an amazing achievement. Hopefully, with um, the start of seeing a lot more females getting into the Sydney FC Hall of Fame Absolutely. as well. Well, talking about females and football, obviously the World Cup around the corner, Women's World Cup, such a big build up to it. Um, we'll go through each of the groups, sort of have a look at uh, each of the teams, some of the star players, and obviously who we think potentially could win this. So, quite an open Women's World Cup. We'll start. With Group A, we've got New Zealand, Norway, the Philippines, and Switzerland. Um, a bit of a story here for you, Teresa. Obviously, Philippines being coached by the former Matildas coach, Alan Stadjic, which I know you've had some time with. Um, what have you made of his, obviously, time at the Philippines and obviously them debuting in their first World Cup? Yeah, look, I mean, you know, Stadjic taking anything, you know, that they're going to be very, very well organised, very, very fit. Um, you know, they all know their roles. I, I would, I just would not rule them out. The, the things that, that Stadge can do w- with a team um, is un- unbelievable. Um, you know, most of the time I had him, we were one of the top teams, but there, there were occasions, particularly, for example, at the, um, one of the Club World Challenges, I think it was 2013, we went to and we were the underdogs and we ended up beating one of the Japanese teams there. So, um, yeah, he can, they can definitely... Uh, cause an upset I would yeah. not put it past them um, we actually our NPL team Sydney Olympic played a, a friendly against them a couple of weeks ago um, just as part of their part of their preparations and yeah it was really interesting and they were very very well organized um, yeah they're obviously you know grueling camp so um, that was really interesting and great to see Stadge again but yeah, yeah. look they, they um, yeah they'll be very very well organized very well drilled they'll all know their jobs and I think what they'll try and do is pounce on mistakes and, and cause an upset. And, John, quite an open group here. Obviously, we've got host New Zealand as well, which will, obviously they will want to be doing uh, – they'll have, want to have a successful start here in front of the home crowd. And, obviously, Norwegian superstar forward Ada Hagerberg is back for the Norwegian team, so a big inclusion there. 
Yeah, I think for me, it's it's looking at this group. It's Norway kind of sitting a little bit clear out there at the top. But I really think that that second place is up for grabs. As you pointed out, Philippines are going to be that side that we know are going to be well organized. Maybe not overall the star power or top quality in terms of individuals, but as a team, as a unit, they clearly will be able to play. As well as Switzerland, kind of looking at from a FIFA ranking perspective, clearly they have to be one that has to have some respect. But I think as well, you never know what happens when you have games being hosted in your home country that, you know, we got to back New Zealand to finally really break through in World Cup form because we know to date they haven't necessarily won a World Cup game. But this could be the year in a home World Cup for them. You never know what can happen. I think in well in terms of a group, this is a perfect opportunity for them as well in terms of what they can actually do. So, I mean... Norway for me is that clear favorite, but overall it's really up for grabs for the next three. And it's it's kind of essentially whoever wants to have it a little bit more, it's going to be that urgency there in this group. Uh, predictions to get through this group. Teresa, who do you think is finishing one and two? One and two. I'm going to say Norway and, and Switzerland. Norway and Switzerland. Jono? I'm going to say Norway, New Zealand. I'm going to go Norway and the Philippines. A bit of a dream story with stats. So, very possible. It's really an open group. It is. All those teams. All right, looking at Group B, and obviously a big one here, um, co-host Australia in it, joined by the Republic of Ireland, Nigeria, and Canada, obviously Olympic gold medalists. We'll start with the Australian team. Therese, obviously you know some of these girls. Um, obviously an opportunity to play a home World Cup. You don't get that opportunity very often. What do you think it means to some of these girls, and, and how are you seeing this Australian team going into the opening game on Thursday night against Ireland? Yeah, look, it's a dream come true, whether you're part of that team or not. I mean, um, past players will tell you this is a dream, whether you know they're on the pitch or not. So such an amazing uh, occasion for, for the girls. And of all the teams in the group, to, to be quite fair, the Aussies have been the most settled and consistent and injury-free um, and drama-free, to, to be quite, and controversy-free. Yeah. So based on, on everything like that, I'm, I'm backing the Aussies that they should. It's not a matter of could they. They really should be topping this group. Obviously, the big other big team in this group, John, are Canada. We saw them winning the Olympic gold medal. They've been knocking on the door for a while. Obviously, we'll be led by Captain Christine Sinclair once again. So they potentially will probably give Australia the toughest test in regards to potentially finishing top of this group. Yeah, look, and I think it kind of sets up, this group has been set up where it could all come down to that last game of the group stage as well for them, because that is going to be that Australia-Canada game. Um, and to be fair, you know, you would think that Australia should have such a good home field advantage being at home. But let me tell you, when it comes to packing a stadium, there are a lot of Canadians here as well as there's a lot of Irish here. So this group, when you look at it as well, it's going to be a big mix. I still think that, of course, from a fan perspective, there's going to be way more Australians outnumber them. But it kind of almost as well evens the playing field and sort of noise in the stadium, especially in that Canada-Australia game. Um, I think realistically it's it's up for the taking for Australia. This is, this is a great team that's kind of, I think it's built well in terms of the star powers that they have as well as that supporting cast too. Um, so it's all there for the taking. And of course, no one can look past, you know, literally one of the top three players in the world currently in Sam Kerr as well and what she's able to do. But I think overall, Canada is clearly going to be the biggest test. And I think that no one can really sleep on Ireland just for the fact of the support that they're going to get across Australia as well is going to be massive, right? So you never know. And, and we see what happens across Europe and everything like that when teams just, they don't really have 
the expectation that they need to win, but they just play for the pride of things. And I think that can come to play here. That's not going to be as easy, let's say, as everybody would predict in terms of when you just look at it generically from all the matchup of everything. So Australian Canada should be the favorites, but I think they are going to be tested in particular by Ireland and potentially by Nigeria as well. Well, I think Australia and Tony Gustafsson, the head coach, I think they should come in confident. Last three games against European opposition have all ended in wins. Obviously, last Friday night, defeating the French 1-0. Beat England 2-0 earlier in a friendly um, and beat Spain 3-2 earlier this year. So I think the girls should come in full of confidence. Obviously, expectation is high for Australia to make a deep run. Um, And obviously, a confident start on Thursday night against Ireland will hopefully set them up for the rest of the tournament. But can't wait for it on Thursday night. It's going to be a massive crowd out there at uh, ANZ. We'll be out there uh, to support the girls. So it should be an amazing occasion for women's football. Group C, another one of the big hitters in this one. Spain welcoming back some of their Barcelona players as well. We know the controversy that's happened with the Spanish squad, um, especially with the head coach and some of those Barcelona players stepping away for a period of time, including Alexia Putalas, who is obviously the Ballon d'Or winner, uh, a great player in her own right. Costa Rica, Zambia and Japan as well in this group. But Teresa, it looks like the Spanish should top this group and potentially they will be one of the big uh, favourites going into this tournament, especially with those Barcelona players returning. Well, I mean, what a, what a rise the top Spain have had in the last three years. You'd say they've come out of nowhere. But prior to that, they weren't playing many internationals. Um, we didn't know many of their players. Um, but, yeah, the, the investment into their league over there and into the national team has been phenomenal and you know, it's no surprise that we've seen the rise they've had and they're absolute superstars. They're amazing footballers. I'm, I'm, a, I'm disappointed that their, their full-strength squad arguably isn't here. Um, you know, we've got a home World Cup. We want to see the best players in the world and I, I just I feel that there's still a few few of their top players that, that aren't involved. So that, that leaves a bit of a question mark there. Um, but in saying that, I just think they have such quality and depth that in that group, I'm pretty sure they'll top it. Especially when you've seen, obviously, Barcelona in the club football scene, they've led the way. Some of the crowds have been out of track, especially in the Women's Champions League have been amazing for women's football. So, obviously, that that style of football, hopefully, we see with this with this Spanish team. The other team, John, that could be interesting is Japan. We know how strong they have been in the World Cup. They won it back in 2011, um, but they've been a little bit on a little bit of a down point, I guess, in terms of their women's football the last few years. Uh, what do you expect of Japan? Do you expect them to go through uh, with Spain? Yeah, I would say that Japan is probably my bet as the second kind of second shoe in for this group. I still think that, look, it's going to be tough, but I do think that they just have enough quality. And again, whether that's in recent times or not, when you have a bit of a winning pedigree and everything like that, that comes to play in these types of tournaments, right? We've seen it in history across every sport pretty much that something about these kind of big massive tournaments you look back at the history of if you've had success or not and you can play on that so when it comes to group stage I think that's enough to get through in this group and I also think look they could potentially do something against Spain too again and then that comes down similar to group B as well to the last game of the group stage too so I, I am backing Japan definitely and Spain to get out but it could come down to that last game to determine in what order as well right so there's an opportunity there. Maybe they sneak in at the top of their group, but realistically, I probably would back Spain to top the group, but there's an opportunity there for this Japanese team. Teresa, who are we backing to get out of Group C? 
Yeah, look, I can't go past Spain or all says top. And, and yeah, I agree with you, John. Japan, you just, they're so technically good and, and experienced. And they have gone through a bit of a transition period with a lot of the uh, sort of senior players retiring and, and new players coming through. But I, I really feel like they're starting to um, hit, you know, where they were a few years ago. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm saying Spain and Japan. Jono? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm backing you there as well, Teresa. Spain, Japan. We're all going Spain and Japan. Actually, I forgot to say Group B, who are we tipping to get out? I think we know who we want to get out. But Teresa, going back to Group B, who are we getting? Who's coming out of that group? The Aussies must top it. And um, look, I, I think it's it's a big toss-up between Canada and Ireland, but just given Canada's experience in major tournaments, um, yeah, I'd, I'd probably give them the green light over just over Ireland, yeah. Jono, I'm with you as well. Australia topping the group. I think that the home crowd will be too much. And then Canada, just because of the recent form as well, will be second. All in the greens here. I, I agree. Australia and Canada go through Group B. All right, Group D, another one of the big hitters in this group. England, the European champions, uh, joined by Haiti in their World Cup debut. Denmark and China, who are the reigning Asian champions. But looking at England... Therese, we've seen the rise of football, especially with the Women's Super League. Plenty of Australians involved in that league as well. Big outs, though, for England. Captain Leah Williamson is ruled out with an ACL injury, and Fran Kirby, the Chelsea striker, will be out as well. Uh, but we've seen the quality they possess, obviously winning the champions, uh, the European champions last year against Germany. Um, England coming in confident, Therese, and, and potentially uh, we can see a potential winner there with that team. Yeah, definitely, and look, Again, the investment that's gone into the game in England is phenomenal and you've seen a rise in the last three to five years. So um, they've been absolutely phenomenal. They're building their depth every every year. Um, yeah, it is a shame that, that um, you know, they're missing their captain because we'd all love to see the best players yeah. again, um, you know, taking the field on our home soil. But... Um, look, I still think they've got enough depth to cover that. They're a footballing mad nation. Yeah. So no matter what, whoever steps in is knows the game. So And that's that's huge for especially tournament football. So they've got a phenomenal coach as well. Um, yeah, so I, I, I think, um, yeah, although they're missing a couple of players, I still would back England almost to the end, really. Yeah. What do you make of your squad, Jono? Strong on paper. Yeah, definitely. I think I'm in agreement with you as well. That's it's almost it's it's that thought of it's it's about time that England is kind of up there in the women's game as well. Because as you pointed out, they are a footballing na- mad nation. It's it was in due time that we'd see this um, kind of rise of the of English football on the women's side as well. And it is big yeah, credit to the investment. Exactly. Yep. And then it changes now to big tournaments. Exactly. So I think that this is a great opportunity for them as much as they might not have their absolute strongest, strongest lineup. They are really one of the deepest squads in this tournament and of high quality as well. Um, I see in the group play, I think it's, I I still think it's going to be a tough group, but I do see them pretty much winning all their games in group play. Um, And then I think it's going to come down to either that Denmark or China uh, between them for that kind of that second place. And I think it's going to be really tough between them. Again, it's not going to be a lot of room for error. Could even be that potential where it comes down to a little bit of goal differential or head to head or something like that. But I think England has enough quality all around the pitch to really take this group 
pretty easily, but I think it's all going to be for the taking for that second spot. And looking if a little further forward, obviously a potential uh, quarterfinal, semifinal lineup between England and mm. Australia. We know they're on the same side of the group. If everything goes according to right. which would be at a massive occasion, we, we know the support both for the English and the Matildas here. And um, as I said, I think it could also come down to the coaching. I think you're right, England do have one of the great coaches um, who I think could potentially be a difference when, when it comes down to those to those big games. But, uh, yeah, I think England are looking primed even with uh, some of those injuries. Teresa, who are you tipping to get through in Group D? Look, I, you know, China are up and comers as well. They're getting better against opposition outside of Asia. They really are. But I'm just, there's something about European teams at the moment. Um so, yeah, I'm going to go top England and second Denmark. Jono? Yeah, I mean, I do think China's going to give a great, great test, but I would I would agree with you as well. I, I do think that it's going to be Denmark kind of rounding out that second. Of course, England take that top spot, but China will definitely be a hard competition in that group. All in agreement. Again, I'm going to go England and Denmark as well. Denmark's first World Cup after mm. missing out on the last three, so they'll obviously be primed to have a good tournament as well. Group A, Jono, a lot of... <laughs> Interest and home interest here for you. The mighty United States defending two-time champions are joined by Vietnam, also making their World Cup debut. The Netherlands and Portugal also making their debut. We'll start with the States, Jono. Big news before the World Cup. Megan Raponi, we know what a what an inspiration she's been, not only for US football, but for women's football globally in, in terms of the pay and, and whatnot in terms of uh, women footballers. Um Last World Cup for her, um, and obviously a mix of, of some veterans and youth in that U.S. squad. Yeah, I think it's um it's it's a good timing for the United States because it is kind of starting of that turning of the guards as well for them, um, and we're going to see that throughout this World Cup. I mean, look, it is Rapinoe's going to be her kind of farewell tour in that sense. Um, you know, Alex Morgan as well is someone who potentially could be maybe her last at the top of the of, of it as well, and a couple other really key players. But I think as well. You look at that squad, and especially defensively, you have some key players like a Crystal Dunn and Julie Ertz as well, who haven't actually played too, too much this year and everything, and what that kind of means to them. They do have depth all around. And then as well, who's going to be the next scorer for Alex Morgan as well? If if she maybe struggles, picks up a knock or two as well, you never know. So who's really going to step up? They do have some options, but not necessarily clear number nine. And then I also think in that group as well, it's going to be that kind of payback for Netherlands, right? Netherlands are going to going to be gunning for them, right? We've seen, even on the men's side as well, we've seen the Netherlands on the men's side do payback to Spain, you know, years ago when they were unsuccessful in a World Cup as well. So I think the women's side is going to be looking to do the same. And in this group as well, I think it's kind of unfortunate for Portugal because I see Portugal being a really good side, but unfortunately they've been drawn a very, very tough group. So I would have loved to actually see them in a different group because I think they could have gone out in some of these other groups. But unfortunately for them, I think they're in a really, really hard group. And same for Vietnam. It's a very, very tough group. So um, I see USA doing very well, but I think it's going to come down to how they play and the players that are going to be kind of playing, if they can really step up to have that consistency throughout the whole tournament. Teresa, looking at the US score, we know how strong they've been in the women's game. Obviously, two-time defending champions. They're going for three-peat, which has never been done before. Um, what do you make of the squad? And obviously, uh, an individual like Megan Raponi has been so uh, important for women's football and had such an impact uh, globally. Yeah, look, um, 
this, you know, another amazing squad. And the, the biggest thing that in the US's favour is their own self-belief. Yeah. They just have this amount of genuine self-belief that you won't see anywhere else. Uh, and that's why you can never, ever rule them out of the conversation. Yeah. And sometimes I hear people saying, ah, oh, nah, you know, the US and they're not that one of the top nations anymore. But you know what? They, they, they'll hear that and they'll use that as motivation. We've, we've seen them do this time and time again. They don't, um, they just, they have this, this amount of, of belief. So I know they've got a couple, um, you know, veterans out, Becky Salvin, um, you know, on the eve of the World Cup injured, Tobin Heath, you know, a couple of others as well. But, you know, they've just brought in the, the, the rising stars who have that belief. They're in that system and um, they're taught that, that way as well. So, um, you know, very, very strong squad. I feel like in a way this group is sort of the group of death in a way mm. um, because you can't rule out Portugal either. Um, they're a team on the rise. They're very technically good. And if you have a bad day against them, you won't win the game. Yep. So I, I do think for Vietnam, I think they've improved astronomically um, in the last even decade. Uh, you know, we used to play them 10 years ago and smash them. Not the case anymore. Um, yep. Matildas have had some cl- much closer run-ins with them now. So they have a defensive block and be very hard to break down. So, yeah, to me, this is sort of a potential group of death where, um, you know, if you have a bad day against any one of these teams, you'll be pushing it to get out of the group. Tipping to get through, though, uh, in Group E, Teresa? We should get through um, based on, you know, all the factors, yep. US and the Netherlands. Jono? Yeah, I mean, uh, as much as I'd love to see Portugal do a good run, I, I, I do agree just based on quality, it has to be USA and Netherlands. Yeah, I'm going to go the USA and Netherlands in Group A as well. Moving on to Group F, this is potentially another group of death, a tricky one. France, Jamaica, Brazil, and Panama. Uh, the French is going to be coached by Herve Renard, who are was the head coach of Saudi Arabia at the Men's World Cup, obviously when they upset Lionel Messi in Argentina before they went on to win the World Cup. We know Brazil... This is the last World Cup for the legendary Mata. Uh, obviously, she's the leading goal scorer in the World Cup with 17 goals and done so much for football. And Jamaica, Manchester City striker Khadija Shaw, who's seen her rip it up for Manchester City in the Women's Super League. And obviously, she's ready to do it on the global stage. Teresa, potentially a, a tricky group here. Obviously, you're looking at France and Brazil, but Jamaica uh, will obviously be looking to cause a few surprises. Yeah, I think they're, they're dark horses. Um I don't think many people know much about them. Um, and I just think they play with a, a type of freeness and, and freedom and, and attacking flair that's very hard to prepare for. I think they're a bit unpredictable in that way. Um, so, yeah, that'll be like video sessions. I mean, they'll be tricky. They'll be really tricky to break down. So, um, yeah, Dark Horses in, in Jamaica. Um, given the experience of Brazil and France, though, um, they should get over the top of them. I mean, Brazil, they've got four megas there to seventh World Cup. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. These players are ageless. There is something about them. They are amazing. Uh, They are machines. And I remember watching Formiga against Australia. She was about 40 years old in the 2015 World Cup or something. And she was box to box, clearing letters off, off 
attacking corners and then almost scoring down her end. So, um, yeah, these players are extremely experienced. And against a Jamaican sign, even Panama, who are new to big tournaments. Another, another debutant. Really, really hard to, you know, get over the top of these very experienced top nations, top Consistent top five, top ten nations. So, um, yeah, well, it's a tricky group. I, I still believe that France and, and Brazil just have the experience, um, yeah, over, over the top of Panama and Jamaica. So it should be an exciting group, but obviously France and Brazil, as, as Teresa mentioned, have all the experience at these big tournaments. Yeah, I think that this group is one potential to really just to create a, a lot of highlights and everything and a lot of talk about it because I think, yeah, look, France and Brazil – Yes, quality should should have enough to kind of get through. But I think it is a really exciting group because, as you point out, this Jamaican team is going to be good. It's going to be unpredictable in the way that they play. And, you know, I, I, I am such a person who I love to see those kind of stars of the game really have a good sending off. And I would hate to see Brazil get knocked out in the group stage. I at least want to see them move on to the next round so then we can have this kind of proper farewell and everything like that. I don't necessarily see them going all the way to the end, but I but I do think that they should be enough to get out of the group. Teresa, who's who to get out of Group F? I'm going to say France, Brazil. Jono? Yeah, France and Brazil. Jono, you're not going to like me here. I'm going to go France and Jamaica. Martin, not to have the send-off she's wishing for. A little bit of a, a smoky there with Kadisha Shaw <laughs> to fire them through this group. All right, Group G, Sweden, South Africa, Italy, and Argentina. Not too much talk going into this tournament, Teresa, about Sweden. We know they're third in the world and they're one of only seven nations that have played in every edition of the World Cup. They always are strong defensively. What do you make of the Swedes coming into this World Cup? And obviously, not much talk about them in terms of uh, favouritism. Yeah, you're right. I'm surprised we haven't heard more talk about the third, um, you know, best team in the world they are a very consistently good team um i don't know what makes them fly under the radar perhaps some mixed results um but yeah look um uh, yeah i'm, I'm really surprised uh, look if they've had a good preparation they will be one of the last four teams it all comes down to that really um i know the matildas beat them in their last outing um, to me, I don't think it was their best squad that travelled here. I think it was a bit of a um, tester, you know, coming down under and, and whatnot. Um, so I think there were a few difficult factors there, but they are a very experienced um, squad and, yeah, historically they, they do pretty well. If they gain the momentum early, I really feel that they'll be even final four by, by the tournament's end. John, we've seen the Swedes at big tournaments. They're always tough to break down and beat, and I think it'll be the same here in, in Australia. And not a hugely tough group. They should get through this group relatively comfortably. Yeah, I mean, I think, especially being a, a, you know supporting of the United States, we know that this Swedish team is always good. They're set up really well. I think that's the biggest thing, is they're set up in a really good structure consistently, and they play well together in a unit, right? They're definitely one of those teams that they band together as one. They're not playing as a group of individuals, and that just makes it so much harder to then beat them as well. And then as well in the group, I think that there could be, you know, some essentially some trouble with this Italy squad too, and as well as the Argentina squad, they're both going to be going down quite tough. 
Um, but I'm really excited to see essentially for this group, the, the battle for second, right? Because I think it is quite open, uh, similar to a couple other groups, but the Swedes really should get through quite easily. And then it's all going to be down to that second place. Teresa, who's to get through in group G? Yeah, it's a, it's a funny group. And I feel like Sweden have, have avoided one of the big contenders there. I know Italy and Argentina and South Africa can't write off, but mm. they are more up and coming nations. Um, mm. I think Italy's had the upper hand over Argentina, given that their league um, in recent couple of years has really taken off. I think that really gives a nation an edge. When you've got a strong domestic league, it really makes a difference. So I'm going to back Sweden and Italy. Jono? Oh, I am so with you. Of course, you got to back Sweden, of course, and then I'm going to go back with my roots, and we're going to back Italy as well. Yeah, I'm going to go Sweden and Italy. Also, here's a little statistic about Argentina. Fourth World Cup. But they've also never been past the group stage and have failed to score in 67% of their Women's World Cup games. So if they are looking to qualify, they'll have to improve on that little statistic. Final group, Group H, one of the heavy hitters in this group as well. Germany, two-time winners, uh, Morocco, Colombia, and Korea Republic. Looking at Germany, Theresa, obviously led by Wolfsburg striker Alexandra Pop. They come into this tournament. A few interesting results in terms of warm-up games, but we know the Germans, once it comes to competition time, they'll yeah. put their best foot forward. Honestly, to me, they're potential favourites for yeah. the tournament. Um, all over the pitch, they just have yeah. players in the best teams in the world. Um, they're just so technically good, so strong physically. Um, they're a very uh, wholesome group, I feel. So, yeah, Jim. Average age of 26 years. So, one of the youngest squads coming into this tournament. a really good place. To, to go on with it. Um, they've got enough experience, but not too much where they're, they're getting towards that retirement sort of territory. So, yeah, they're all in, a, I feel like, a good space here. So it's an interesting group in, in that regard. I think, yeah, Germany far and beyond the, the heavy hitters in this group. Um, yeah, and interesting with the three other teams who, who I haven't seen much of Morocco, to be quite fair. I know a bit about... South Korea, Korea Republic, as they're known, um, and Colombia I know a little bit about as well. So um, it'll be very, very interesting to see. I think Germany will take top spot, but I think it's up for grabs second spot. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you as well. I mean, I think that the this German team has kind of gone back to being one of the top heavy hitters across across the world because they they were in that top spot i think you know if you look back years ago and now they're kind of back into being one of the heaviest hitters of this world cup right now and, and definitely maybe just like sweden another team that is potentially flying a little bit under the radar in terms of upcoming chatter and everything as well um, but i do think second place is definitely up for grabs i would love for a big game between colombia and korea just being selfish yeah. myself because I'll be there watching. I'd love to see that just go off completely. Um, but um, I think it potentially is going to come down to those two teams, either, you know, a bit of just good composure by by Korea Republic or just the physical strength of Colombia as well. We can see we see that they are a quite aggressive team as well, which I love to see. So um, it's going to be a bit of a matchup there to, to watch them battle it out. Teresa, who gets through in Group H? Look, um, oh, it's a really hard one, this. You know, Morocco, sort of unknown, dark horses. I think it'll be out of Colombia and Korea Republic, and I, I just feel like I'm going to give Korea the nod. 
Germany and Korea, yeah. Donna. Yeah, I was I was tossing up with that as well, but I, I'm giving uh, Korea Republic the slight nod to Germany and Korea as well. I'm going to go Germany and Korea as well. Obviously, some good news there for Asian football. Well, now a few big predictions. We've obviously gone through each of the groups. I'll start with you, Teresa. First question, who wins the World Cup? This is a hard question. It, and is, I'd hard. Love... it is hard. Look, I'd love to... Obviously, you want the host, you want your nation to win i'm trying to be as realistic as possible here and um yeah obviously i want that to happen but um i just can't go past someone like a germany i just one of those top european sides is just they're just heavyweights at the moment and just the amount of investment that's gone into the game in all areas i just think there's still a bit of catching up to do from everyone else so I'm, i'm gonna back out of those Heavyweights or I'll back Germany? Jono? I mean, look, I, I can't go past um, who I'm going to be rooting for the I whole time. I think I know where your well. heart is. Yep. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the United States. And look, I would love my ideal final would be United States versus Australia. And that would be absolutely fantastic to see. But I can't go past, as you said, the belief that the United States have, the system that they play in, the depth that they have as well. Yes, there's some question marks on the pitch, but I think overall quality, they got enough to take it home. Teresa, yeah. with you, obviously, I'd love to see Australia win it, but I'm going to tip Germany to win this World Cup. I just think they are coming into this World Cup primed and they've got the squad good enough to go all the way. Number two, question. Who will be the biggest surprise package? We'll start with you, Teresa. What team do you think could potentially surprise some? Zambia. Zambia. African, they yeah. have a good African Cup of Nations. And they had a surprise result. Who was it against? They beat Germany 3-2. Yes. Size packet, yeah. Zambia. Jono? Again, I'm going to go with something close to my heart. I'm going to go with Italy just because I think that they are an up-and-coming team and can actually get enough to get out of their group and then maybe potentially go one step further as well. I think they're set up really well to actually move along in this tournament and potentially create a little bit of a ruffle. I did mention earlier, I think Jamaica could cause a few roles. And if they get through that group with France and Brazil, who knows what happens in the knockout tournament. So I think Jamaica could potentially be a surprise package. Number three, who is your player of the tournament, Therese, or who do you think will stand out in this tournament? That is so hard. Um, I'll pick an English player. Yep. And... Oh, you got me there. You know what? Scratch that. I'm going to pick a Brazilian. Yeah. Because this is her seventh World Cup, and I would love to see Formiga take that in. She's probably my favorite women's player. Yeah. There we go. Jono? Love that. Look, I'm going to go with close to home right here in the World Cup, and I'm going to say she's going to absolutely step up for her team and carry them at least to the semis, if not the finals, in Sam Kerr. And she's going to have a lightning World Cup in terms of scoring and everything. So I think that she has a great opportunity to show the whole world why she is rated as one of the best players. And the home World Cup might just give her that little bit of an edge there. And I think she's going to be so crucial to this Australian team going deep in the tournament. I'm going to go someone who may not win the play of the tournament, but I think could have a huge tournament, and that's Lauren James for England. Obviously, Reese James's sister, we've seen what she's done with Chelsea, a powerhouse down that wing. And if she uh, gets going in this tournament, she could prove pivotal for this English team, which I do think will go deep in this tournament. And last one, who finishes as top goal scorer? I'll start with you, Teresa. 
Um, I just, yeah, I'm thinking given Germany's group, I just feel like they could potentially score a few uh, in their group. So I'm going to go Alexandra Pop. Alexandra Pop, I think that's a good call. Dono? Yeah, look, I guess my thought with this as well is kind of going into like the group stage and thinking about teams that potentially might really get up. And I'm going to say Alex Morgan of the United States, just because they play as well Vietnam so early in the group stage where it's going to mean a lot that they're going to go and they are not going to... Thailand. Yeah, exactly. They they, they are not going to take no for an answer. So I see her... Exactly. score already so exactly yeah. so I, so i see her scoring a lot in that first opening game yeah. for them um so yeah. that's why i kind of see her and and of course a deep run for the united states helps in terms of yeah, that, yeah. True. so i'm gonna agree with you i think german striker alexandra pop is uh she's primed for a big tournament and if germany are to win it i think she needs to score goals she's, yeah. we saw she was top goal scorer at the european championships uh last year uh, with six goals yeah. so i think she's uh in for a big tournament well, what a tournament it's potentially going to be, Therese. Obviously, really looking forward to seeing it on our own shores. Before we let you go, um, what do you think is, the, I guess, the most important thing to come out of this tournament in terms of a legacy for women's football, not only here in Australia, but obviously globally? We've seen some of the pay disputes still lingering with some of the teams coming into the tournament. Obviously, federations, uh, even though there's been a, a great growth in women's football, we still see some federations in some uh, countries yeah. not supporting women's football like it should be. What would you love to see coming out of this tournament in terms of the future legacy and obviously the future World Cups that we look into for women's football and the continual growth of women's football globally? Well, this is why you host, you know, you don't just host it for the quick money fix at the mm. time. This, I, th- I think a lot of thought's gone into this and for Australian football, what I want to see it is it, make a huge contribution to progressing not just the women's game but the game in general that's really one what i want to see and there's huge potential for that with you know we've got a major tournament here games are sold out you can't get tickets so we're going to be seeing young boys and girls attending these world cups seeing amazing football seeing amazing opportunities that football can afford them and I think um, what I'd love to see is a massive boost in, in the number of, of grassroots and, and players at all levels um, coming into the game. And then it's the job of us in the game to keep them there and keep them happy within that. So potential for huge, huge legacy of this tournament. Um, but it's going to take continued work for it to really pay off. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a huge opportunity for women's football, as you said, here in Australia and for the global footprint and hopefully this tournament is is just the starter and we see women's football continuing to grow uh, globally. We want to thank you, Teresa, for, for coming on and sharing your thoughts and, and previewing what we hope is is an amazing tournament which kicks off on Thursday night. Should be It's going to be a massive crowd out there to watch the Matildas and hopefully a huge television audience. So thank you for coming on and um, really enjoy the next month of football and hopefully we'll talk to you uh, maybe sometime through the tournament or after the tournament and, and hopefully maybe the Matildas lifting that World Cup at the end. Thanks, guys, for having me. It was an absolute pleasure and so much fun um, predicting stuff. And uh, I can't wait to see how our predictions turn out. But, yeah, I'd love to, to come back on sometime soon. Thank you so much.